Hello, friends, and welcome back to Faith and You, You, a podcast for everyone. My name is Reverend McKinley Sims. I serve at the Unitarian Universalist Church of the Restoration in Mount Airy in beautiful Philadelphia. This is episode 11, the second part in our series about building a sanctuary that we are doing here at Restoration in Philadelphia, but I think can apply to any UU church or any church or any spiritual group across America. So I wanted to post three podcasts that are just my sermons from UU Restoration here in Philly over the next couple of days. And this is part two of Building a Sanctuary that talks about the Hebrew story behind the holiday of Sukkot and what it looks like to build an intentionally diverse spiritual experience at your church. So with that, here is part two, Building a Big Enough Tent. This was preached on Sunday, September 23rd. Friends, I wonder what it felt like to leave the only home you've ever known and to follow a man who'd been exiled from your home years before, who was a convicted murderer with a stutter, who showed up all of a sudden out of the blue and promised to take you to something called the promised land, promising that this promised land was based on the promise given to a long-dead patriarch from a story that you're not even sure you believed in. I wonder what it felt like to be led from that home and to walk out into the desert. That wonder is the backdrop of our service today. This festival of Sukkot, this harvest festival, it's from the Hebrew scriptures, it's from an old story and kind of a weird one. Right? It's raining outside, but this story takes place in the desert of what we now know as the Middle East. And it's the Israelites exodusing from bondage in Egypt, walking out into the desert, trying to find a promised land, a new home. And Sukkoth is a harvest festival. The commandments are to build these tents out of natural elements and to take rest. To harvest and rest. While the Israelites march through the desert. Right. Can you imagine someone telling you to bring in those fruits and veggies that you have in that garden that you carry with you while you're marching through the desert? Take a break. Take a rest. You're fine marching through the desert. Listen. The people who are right on top of you in these tents, just get along Day after day after day. It doesn't matter how loud they are or they smell or if they're from a different place. While you're in the desert. My personal favorite. Live by faith. This is the story where we get the word manna. The bread from heaven. The Israelites don't have any food. And one day, according to the tradition, they wake up and they see bread on the ground. Well, they don't know if it's bread or not. It's just something on the ground. It's something they can eat. And so they ask a question in Hebrew. They say, mana, which means, what is it? And the answer is, mana. It is what it is. It is what it is. Live in those tents. Get along. Keep on walking for 40 years, says the tradition, in the desert. But it's an old story, right? Maybe not much use for us today. But I do wonder what it felt like 
to be in the desert. How it must have felt to have your tent whipped up by the desert wind, to wonder if the leaders were actually leading you to safety or not, if they knew what they were doing. I wonder how it feels to have the car break down, the house payment not go through, the relationship to go south, the money to dry up, the job to feel unsteady, the pain in your back to get worse, the wind to rush in the desert. I wonder how it feels to question if your leaders are leading you to safety when it feels like you're in the desert with every new news story, tweet, mass shooting, news of cancer. Hmm. I wonder what it feels like to be in the desert. I like these old stories. And I believe in these old stories. Not because I think that they are objectively true, but because I believe that they have truth in them. And while they are ancient, they feel newer to me every day. This is a story about what it's like to have survived in the desert. To have come through on the other side with nothing more than your faith and each other. I can resonate with that. I can resonate what it feels like to come up against something that's uncomfortable something that's a challenge, something that's different, and to find a story about resilience, about resilience and joy and faith and hope and God and each other all wrapped up into one day after day after day in the desert. That isolation that groups sometimes feel, it's born into a phrase that some folks say, when they say, we are all we need. We are all we need. We are all we need. And I often wonder how true that is for small siloed groups. I wonder if what they're actually saying is not that we are all we need, but we are all we want. Because it's more comfortable that way. If it is we're all that we want, because in the face of something that is challenging, something that is uncomfortable, Our natural reaction as humans might be to step back, to conserve, to step back into the family tent because the other tents are too close and they smell bad. And I get that. I get that it's easier and it's more comfortable to not speak up, to not rock the boat. No, we're all we need right here. And yes, there's a time and a place for that reaction, especially when these tents are oppressive, encroaching, supremacist-based tents that want to either force you to assimilate or kick you out of the group entirely. I get that. I understand that reaction. We don't want individualism stripped away within a group. But I wonder if that's an either-or proposition. Is it either you're encroaching on someone or they have to leave, or do we have to conserve and shun anything that's different? My thought is, if we're in these tents, why not build the tent a little bigger? Why not make the tent a little wider, a little more open, a little more, dare I say, universal? (laughs) Some of y'all have asked me how we might build a sanctuary here at Restoration. We talk a good game, but how do we actually do it? 
So I'm going to propose that this is one of the first steps, embracing this discomfort with something that is new or different. Go with me on this metaphor, right? We're building a tent, a sanctuary. So you need materials to build it. So what kind of materials do we need to build a sanctuary in the desert? But we're not building the actual building. We're building a spiritual building. So what kind of spiritual materials do we need? The story of Sukkot, symbolized with this altar, is a story about building something made from the natural world that you're supposed to have what's called the four species of greenery to, de to decorate, to protect. You're supposed to build it out of something that is made from the ground, natural wood. I like this because it tells me two things, that it's natural, that it's organic, and that it is intentionally diverse, right? It's supposed to be made out of different things. It has to be made out of different things. You can't build a sanctuary out of just one thing, one gift, one talent, one theology. You need that diversity to build a strong and safe sanctuary. That's why I like these old stories. When we were coming up, offering our gifts to this altar and saying, this is what I have to bring in this harvest season. You might be sitting there and saying, I don't know if I have a gift. I don't know if I have a talent. You might look out from your tent and see the stuff on the ground and say, what is it? Well, it is what it is. Whatever you have brought, whatever you bring, that is your gift. The gifts of grace, gifts of blood, sweat, and tears in this harvest season. It's a time when we remember what it was like to be in the desert when all there was was faith, each other, and whatever it is. So, I ask you to think one more time. What gifts do you bring? What talents, what cultural elements, what stories, what songs do you sing that you might bring here to help us build a sanctuary? Because a sanctuary without diversity is not big enough, is not wide enough, is not loving enough. So I wonder what might benefit us, not just from the sanctuary that is here, from the gifts and talents that are here, but from the gifts and talents that are about to walk through that door. That's the call of Unitarian Universalism, isn't it? To not be just, we are all that we need, but to welcome others in. I need to look down to read this because there are a lot of words here. The call of Unitarian Universalism, the goal of a world community based on justice and peace, an interdependent web of all existence, respected and honored, while also valuing each individual's search for truth and spiritual transformation. Those are great words. I love those words. But harvest season is not just about saying words. Harvest season is about going out and gathering. It is active. That's why part of Sukkot is also about resting, the commandment to rest, because people have been out there gathering stuff, and that's hard work to gather to labor, to be uncomfortable. So at Ingathering, I said, I hope this place might become a sanctuary, that it has been a sanctuary, and it continues to be 
a sanctuary, but also that it might become one. Because this church and us are always in the process of becoming. To be is great, but it is also comfortable and passive. Becoming is a spiritual act that is active, transformative. The comfort, the just being, the just getting by, we are all that we need. Friends, let me be honest, that is a great mask to put on so that no one sees what's going on underneath. I have put on that mask, trying to be comfortable at all costs because the alternative is too much work. But here's what I mean when I say that we have to build this sanctuary. Because life is about becoming, life is about change, life is about dealing with discomfort. It's active, like the harvest. So to help with that change, how do we deal with change? I offer two spiritual materials that we might build this sanctuary out of to make it truly welcoming and open. One is spiritual resilience and one is spiritual transformation. Again, great words. How do we do that? Here is what I mean. I think the resilience and transformation is what the story of Sukkot teaches us, even today. What it means to have been in the desert and to come out on the other side. What it means to celebrate not just being, getting by, making it through with the same comfortable routine day after day after day but to expand, to look at what a diversity of spiritual materials can do, what we can build, to become intentional about different sexualities, different identities, orientations, dare I say it, different theologies. Whether you believe or don't, whether you like to speak in church or don't, whether you like to dance in church or don't, whether you like to cry in church or don't, learning to lean into that potential discomfort in the service of building the sanctuary, increases our personal resilience. That resilience makes a strong tabernacle, a big enough tent. And universalism is about building a tent based on love, capital L, where everyone is welcome, regardless of who they are. Everyone is welcome under the roof. And I know that building a tent where everyone is welcome under the roof is kind of a hard sell, especially these days. It's hard to imagine sharing a space with someone who values guns over humans, light skin over dark, Christianity over Islam. It is hard to imagine inhabiting a space with someone like that. But I believe that our call is to build a big enough tent that even folks who believe like that might experience that second gift of spiritual transformation here. Go with me on this. When I say spiritual transformation, I mean it. I mean literal spiritual transformation that comes from experiencing transcendence and wonder and beauty and joy, and music, and the acceptance of humanity, and occasionally really good sermons. All of that makes a change within you. 
and that that change is accessible to anyone who walks through those doors, regardless of how they came in, that they might leave transformed based on the radical love and hospitality of those who are here, based on the beautiful diversity and the increasing difference of spiritual materials, that they might have access to that, even if they choose not to accept it. Because they may not. And you can't force someone to stay in your tent. But we also have to choose to stay and be transformed as well. And I know that can be hard. But I wonder what it feels like to be searching in the desert and to find a group of people that you've been looking for wandering. And it feels like your place to be turned away for whatever reason. I wonder what it feels like to be in the desert and to not be able to survive with faith and with each other. Thankfully, when it comes to dealing with discomfort, when it comes to building resilient and transformative spaces, I believe it is not just about us, our human insecurities, our human frailties. Because I believe there's also divine love, L, capital L-O-V-E. I believe it is what pulled folks through the desert then it is what pulls us forward now, deeper into community, closer towards the beloved community. The miracle of being in messy relationship with one another is the greatest miracle of all. Learning to get along with differences and struggling to survive together when it feels like you're in the desert with nothing but faith and each other. Sukkot is a celebration of joy, a celebration of the harvest, a celebration of what it means to walk together on life's journey, even when it feels like you're walking through the desert. It's about being together. So what does it mean to be together? Again, great words, right? What does it mean to be together? I've shared this with some of you. My colleague Rob Keithen at All Souls DC once told me that being together means singing each other's songs. And he meant it both, metaphorically, like, uh, sing each other's songs, be together, but also literally, right, practically. If you're welcoming and worshiping together, you're singing each other's songs. So when I ask you what you have brought into the brick and the mortar of this holy sanctuary, what you have brought to this altar, what we have brought into this sukkah, your gifts, your talents, what songs do you sing? What stories do you tell about times when you were in the desert or times when you found the promised land? What do you bring that you might share? And what do others bring? Because when we bring those stories together, we help build spiritual resilience. And if we can practice some spiritual transformation as well, then yes, friends, we can build a sanctuary here. If we commit to remembering that being together means singing each other's songs, then we can build resilience, increase our transformation, and just might have a little sacred light pour forth from this place. Because we're about to get very theological, friends. My favorite theologian, Paul Tillich, talks about that the importance of being together. When you are in relationship with someone, he talks about your soul, capital S, leaving from yourself, capital S, and encountering the soul of the other, capital O. And those souls intermingle, and they are changed, and they are transformed, either for good or for bad, depending on how much divine love, capital L, is in it. And then your soul returns changed. And at that point, you have a decision to make. You can break down and conserve and retreat into the sukkah. 
where you can open your doors a little wider. And that our spiritual practice, our faith traditions, our religion is supposed to give us the strength and the tools and the resiliency to be transformed, to become our highest selves. I believe that when we are in soul-to-soul relationship, we are made to be so. That's when the power is increased. That's when the spiritual juice gets going. That we need that diversity. We need that discomfort. We need that transformation. Not passive, but active. Christianity talks about whenever two or three are gathered together, there the spirit is also. There is spirit here today. So, my hope for us is to build this resiliency to be transformed this year. Whether you identify as Texan, Mainer, Pagan, Buddhist, Jewish, Jew-ish, Christian, Atheist, Faithist, Humanist, Agnostic, Pagan, or other, my prayer is that we might be open to building our sanctuary here. That we might be resilient and transformed that we might remember the covenant of love, capital L, that binds us together when it feels like we are in the desert. That is a reason to celebrate. So friends, may we find joy and rest in this harvest season, this time of longer nights and cooler days. May we go and bring in what we ourselves plant and that which is offered to us by others and the universe. May we be transformed and become less comfortable. May we build a better sanctuary and not a smaller silo. May we live and breathe this covenantal faith that sustained those in the desert before us and those who will come after. May this sanctuary be big enough, wide enough, open enough, and may we revel in its diverse and wondrous differences. May we sing each other's songs now and always. May that be so. Amen. McKinley here again. That was part two, building a big enough tent. Look for part three, love, covenant, and what is love coming on uh, this Sunday. So look after that in your podcast feed, wherever podcasts happen. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at McKinley L. Sims. That's at McKinley L. Sims. Or you can follow my blog, uuministry.com backslash McKinley Sims, uuministry.com backslash McKinley Sims. Thanks for listening. Grace and peace, everybody. Bye.